Hello, it's Annie with the Starting Over Stronger show, and I wanted to spend some time with you today talking about a topic that is very important to my recovery journey, and I believe can be crucial to yours as well. In fact, I'm so sure of it that I'm writing a book about it. My memoir of my experience growing up in marrying and finally awakening to a lifetime of dysfunction. I want you to experience what I did as well. And that's why I feel called to write this book. And so today, what I want to do is talk just a little bit about the theme of this book, not so much the memoir part of it, because I think that much is probably pretty clear. I want to tell my story, like so many people do here on the show. I want to talk about how I got where I am. But a big part of that for me centers around journaling. And I know that not everyone loves journaling. And I think to some degree, there's a benefit for it and anyone who's willing to discipline themselves to do it. And in fact, I've known of people that have felt like they wouldn't enjoy it, who have absolutely fallen in love with the practice of journaling. And then I know that there are people who generally just don't enjoy it and don't get a great benefit from it because they are more verbal or auditory learners and they really can get that same benefit from maybe having a conversation with themselves out loud or just really exploring in their own mind the same kinds of concepts that a person journaling might actually write down with pen and paper. But today, what I want to talk about is journaling. Because I truly do believe journaling dissolves the pain, confusion, and stress of allowing millions of racing thoughts to buzz around in our heads all day long and on any given day. Without some release, those thoughts remain trapped there in our brains, and journaling sets them free. The first time I put a pen to paper in the form of journaling, I was around 30 years old. I was in therapy for the first time in my life. I probably had diaries of some sort as a teenager, but they were likely more random and sporadic in nature, although honestly, quite likely, they were born of the same emotional turmoil just 15 years or so previous to this. But at 30, I was married now with two children. I was at home full time raising them, active in our church and schools, volunteering and devoting my days entirely to the well-being of my kids and my family, and just enjoying spending my kids growing up years with them. Sounds picturesque, doesn't it? Well, don't be jealous just yet. (laughs) My life at 30 was far from the idyllic family story that our public lives would probably have been portraying for the world to see. Remember, I said I had just started journaling as a result of my first time experiencing the world of therapy. And why was I seeing a therapist? Because I was becoming increasingly more uncomfortable with the status quo of my life. I was spending a lot of time confused Uh, avoiding my feelings. And then when I did run into my feelings head on and couldn't ignore them anymore, I didn't like what I was seeing. 
The emotional pain was on the rise. And at times, in fact, it felt more like torment. And I just was simply trying to make some kind of sense of my life and the things that I was feeling and experiencing. And I didn't even have words yet to explain what I was feeling and what I was experiencing and was about to come to realize over what would be the next 15 years. Flashback another decade or so to when I was just starting elementary school, and you'll find me feeling many of the same feelings. Avoidance, fear, confusion, emotional pain. As a child growing up in what we called dysfunction back then, well, actually, we didn't call it anything, maybe normal, (laughs) if anything. It was all I had ever known, so it was my normal. Nowadays, people are more likely to describe it as toxic, And it definitely was toxic. It poisoned my basic trust in the goodness of people. It poisoned my ability to believe that I was lovable, just as I was. It poisoned my mind so much so that I didn't even know what was normal or healthy or good. You see, I grew up in what would by most standards be considered a lower middle class, suburban, Midwest, white existence. My parents both worked, though my dad was the breadwinner and he only allowed my mom to work when he wanted her to and only allowed her to have the jobs that he wanted her to have. She really had no autonomy, no voice. And my two older sisters and one younger brother and I had our basic needs met. We had clothes, we had food, we had toys, we got Christmas presents, we got new clothes every September for school, even if they were mostly hand-me-downs, and we had bruises underneath those clothes. We played with the neighborhood kids, we made snowmen in the winter, we celebrated birthdays with extended family every month, just like every other normal family I knew, except I don't know what went on behind their closed doors. Were other kids afraid of their dads? Did they get hit and yelled at too? Did anyone ever tell them they loved them? Were their moms also hit and yelled at by their dads, unable or unwilling to protect themselves or their children? Were their moms also seemingly dead inside emotionally, unable to bond with anyone? Did the other little boys and girls on our street and our family trees feel loved, safe, seen. I had no idea what normal was, if anyone did. I just knew what I knew, and I knew that what I knew was painful, and I wanted out of it as soon as possible. I lived the entire first 18 years of my life in some sort of survival mode, detached, self-protective, self-reliant, scared, alone, and unaware of much of the mechanisms I was developing to try to create safety and security emotionally, psychologically, and even physically in my life, just putting one foot in front of the other, trying to figure out life on my own. Because I certainly had no role models that I cared to emulate, not my parents, not my siblings, not really even my grandparents. I come from a long line of people who did the best they could, I guess, with what they had and what they knew and with what they had experienced. And I chose to believe if they had known better, they would have done better. I accept that this philosophy may or may not hold true for all, but I just like the world better when I accept this as my basis for living and for loving the big wide world around me. 
So I left home the minute I could when I turned 18. I didn't care where I was going. I wasn't really moving toward anything. I was simply moving away from what I knew I never wanted again. Unfortunately, that knowing better and doing better philosophy holds true in the reverse as well. And I definitely did not yet know better. Except, I suppose, by rare miracles. Healthy partnering doesn't happen by accident. Broken people choose broken people for broken reasons. And in my case, I chose to leave my abusive father's home to pursue the only relationship I'd ever experienced with a then young man who I thought was my knight in shining armor, rescuing me from a lifetime of abuse. Never mind that our patterns of communication were just as dysfunctional as any I'd ever known. Friends and family alike were seeing the signs and warning me to be cautious, but they didn't get it right. Or so I believed. We were going to overcome the odds and live happily ever after. If only we could figure out how to not argue. Thinking back on it all now, 30-some years later, I couldn't even begin to tell you what we even argued about. I think there was just a lot of mirroring what we had seen in our parents' relationships. He, standing poised to never let a woman mistreat him the way his mother mistreated his father. And me, you guessed it, standing steadfastly against the exact opposite. Combine that with a whole lot of immaturity and... Honestly, we probably never stood a chance. And yet we somehow fumbled through seven years of teenage dating and eventually married in our early 20s. Six months into the marriage was the first time I considered divorce. But instead, I poured myself into my faith in a way I never had before. And before you know it, here comes a baby in a baby carriage. (laughs) And then another less than two years later. Some of the best years of my life followed. Raising my daughter and my son, spending all our days together, playing, praying, exploring our little corner of the world, will go down in history as the best thing I ever did with my life. They were my world, and it was a wonderful world for oh too short of a season of life. Somewhere along the middle of their growing up years, things were swirling around us. We had endured and found exodus from an abusive church. We faced heavier marital turmoil that included unfaithfulness, work addiction, control, misogyny, and would you believe it, those very same pesky communication issues that we began our relationship with so many years before. On top of all that, my father issues, long unresolved and seemingly forgotten, were rearing their ugly heads, as so often happens for people around the age of 30. My first journal began mostly as an exercise recommended by the first counselor I ever saw, a woman who would, over the next decade and a half, become like the loving and understanding mother that I never had and always wanted. Sheila and I developed a connection that was so powerful to me, as powerful to me as any connection my entire life. I knew Sheila loved me, was safe for me, and would hold space for me like no one in my life yet had. My in-laws were more like the loving parents I'd always longed for as a child, but you always know with your in-laws that ultimately, if things don't 
farewell in the marriage. They're his, not mine. Sheila, however, was mine. And Sheila was the reason I began to journal. The one who introduced me to the concept of journaling. I had no idea then just how powerfully journaling would affect my life. Journaling is what I attribute my entire recovery to because the process of putting my feelings onto paper and voicing my prayers in writing did what I don't imagine anything else in my life ever could have done. It introduced me to who I was, what I was feeling, what I was experiencing, what I wanted and needed in my life. It honestly took years of doing it before I was able to really see the powerful effect that it was having on my life. I wouldn't have known it after just trying it for a week or so. When I went on what I call my solo sojourney, which I recommend to all my clients, after my divorce was final, I went on a trip for a week by myself in a cabin near the mountains. And I spent an entire week just getting to know myself, love myself, enjoying myself. I did whatever I wanted to do, whenever I wanted to do it. I hiked in the mountains by myself. I went on little excursions by myself. I enjoyed my time, most importantly, in that cabin by myself, crying all the tears I needed to cry, screaming at the top of my lungs if I needed to, writing letters to the people that I needed to say things to that I could never say so that I could ceremonially destroy those letters and have that release of all those things that I needed to say. One thing in particular that I did on my solo surgery was to read every single word of every single journal that I had written in for the last 15 years. I had never even planned to do that. I had so many different journals that I'd used over the years and they were just collecting dust here, there, and everywhere. And then when I moved out of my marital home and got my own place, they all got put into the same box and on a whim actually decided to put those journals in a bag and take them with me on that trip. I didn't even really plan to do that, but I'm so glad I did. It honestly was life-changing. I sat there for hours and hours over the course of that week reading all of these. I, I tried as best as I could to like put them in chronological order and to read them all. And in doing it all in one sitting or in such a short capacity of time, I was able to begin to see patterns that emerged and to understand more about myself that I maybe never would have put together if I hadn't been journaling all those years. And I was able to see these patterns and these ways that I was getting in my own way and not seeing things accurately. And more than anything, in the moment when I was writing in those journals, I was able to see things about myself and about my 
situations and about the people in my life and about just my own actions and decisions and desires that I wouldn't have seen if I hadn't taken the time to sit down and write. And it was something that I enjoyed doing. I would wake up every morning and spend time journaling. And I would feel the difference every day if I didn't do that or if I did. It really became that important. And on this trip, I even not only read all of those journals, but also wrote in my journal and wrote and wrote and wrote everything that I had thought and felt and experienced as I went through my divorce and just really felt like a lot of closure for so much of the dysfunction and pain that I've just described here to you today from my childhood and my adolescence and my marriage and just my entire life. That can all truly be attributed to journaling taking the time to put a pen to paper and see what comes out of your brain. The best analogy that I've ever heard of journaling is that it is like taking out the mental trash. And when you think about your kitchen trash can and your desire to keep a clean kitchen and what a good feeling it is when your kitchen is clean, you know, just imagine yourself toiling over a sink full of dirty dishes and wiping down all the counters and getting the dishwasher running and then looking around and proudly at what a beautiful room you have created. And then suddenly, what is that smell? Oh, the trash. <laughs> Taking out the trash is like that final step that gives you this beautiful room for the next meal or to walk through as you go about your days. And journaling is very much like that because your kitchen is the center of your, of your home, right? Kind of the source of connectedness and just eating meals together. And it, for a lot of people, is a part of the home where you walk through it to get to other places in the, in the house. And it's where you meet others and it's how you just kind of orient yourself to the whole house sometimes and when I feel like anyway for me when I have a clean kitchen I feel like the whole house feels cleaner for some reason and so in that way journaling is like taking out the mental trash you know I started off today talking about how journaling dissolves the pain and confusion and stress of all of the racing millions of thoughts that we have all day every day and how important it is to release those and not keep them trapped. And that's exactly what journaling does. It bundles up that stinky trash and puts it out for it to be taken away. And so you're not smelling it anymore and dealing with it anymore. And you have a clean, pleasant smelling source of connectedness and that place that just feels like the heart of your home and the home of your mind. So I hope that something that I have shared here today has inspired you to consider how you might incorporate journaling into your life and in your divorce recovery and even in your divorce survival. One of the top recommendations that I give my new clients is to get and start a divorce journal 
I cannot tell you how much that will save stress. If you will just go to the drugstore and buy, I think they cost a dollar or two dollars or something, buy a five subject notebook and have it with you everywhere you go. Divide that five subjects up into lawyer, financial advisor, uh, a therapist, coach, you know, any other main people that you are having support you through your divorce. And everywhere you go, write down everything you're told, every question you have, every task that you need to take care of. If you're at the lawyer and you think of something you have to talk about with the financial advisor, flip over to that section and write that down. It just will save you so much stress and pain and frustration if you have everything written down as you go. And you can do that electronically too. And that goes for journaling as well. You can do it in an electronic way if that works better for you and your lifestyle. But it truly does help to get things down in black and white to where you don't feel like you have to carry them around with you all the time. So I hope that you will give this a try. I think you'll be glad you did. And I will look forward to meeting you here again soon. Thanks so much for tuning in. Have a blessed and wonderful day.